Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. So often the NFL playoffs are about trust. Big names, big brands, huge quarterbacks that you know can take you to the promised land. What do you do when this year, maybe there aren't many guys out there that you can actually say you trust to win you a Super Bowl? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and of course, on your smart speakers, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, hanging out with you. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's how you get in on the fun, and we're having a little bit of fun talking about the playoffs, because obviously, Harry, everything gets underway this weekend, but it it hit me as I'm looking at all of the matchups. I mean, it's hard as you look across this weekend, and even the playoffs in general, to find Mm -hmm. a lot of guys that you can say, been there, done that, and know that guy can win me a Super Bowl. Oh, in which that means there's a word that comes in mind, Fitz, trust. Who do I trust within this, you know, football playoffs in 2023 to take their team to the promised land? As an organization, you would probably say the same thing. Do we trust our quarterback to take us uh, to get the Lombardi Trophy? And in my eyes, I think there's only three people. Now, there's a lot of amazing quarterbacks in the playoffs this year. But if we're talking about trust, who do I trust to take their team to the Super Bowl and actually win it? For me, it's three people, and I'm going to name those three people. Number one, i got to start with the greatest of all time. That's Tom Brady. Thomas Edward Brady, that is. He's no Montana. He has seven Super Bowl rings, and I think it's <laughs> self-explanatory, and it speaks for itself. Won one a few years ago in Tampa. Um, it, granted, I will say, it was more so on that defense. That defense played phenomenal throughout that playoff run, but we do know if a game is on the line, how scared and nervous Tom Brady has majority of his opponents. Now, the second person I have in this is going to be Patrick Mahomes, not Pat Mahomes, because I don't want Mrs. Mahomes getting upset with anybody because she says her baby name is Patrick. So I'm going to go with Patrick Mahomes. We've seen him go to the Super Bowl twice, winning one of those. We also know he's an MVP winner of the National Football League. Man, threw 50 touchdowns in one season, Fitz. But last but not least, I have Joe, and you know how I'm going to address him. Joe Grapefruit Burrow. Joe Burrow, we've seen this guy last year. Be the reason, be the main reason why the Cincinnati Bengals made it to the Super Bowl. Now, granted, they didn't win the Super Bowl game, but I don't think it was because of Joe Burrow and his play. I think it was more so a lot of different areas, um, especially particularly in that last drive that the Bengals defense didn't stud it up and let Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford run all over him. But a guy who got sacked nine times in one game and still overcame adversity, right? The following week, they go to Kansas City, and a lot of people, you know, love Patrick Mahomes, and rightfully so. Only for that defense of Cincinnati to shut down Patrick Mahomes in the second half and Joe Burrow fight through and put his team in a position to win the AFC championship game. So when I look at the quarterbacks right now in the playoffs, it's three for me. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow. Those are my three. So it's interesting because for me, when you talk about trust, it's have I seen you do it before? Do I believe that you're the reason that your team will lose a football game? Uh, all of these little variables, right? So when you talk about somebody like Burrow, I think because even though they didn't win the Super Bowl, I don't ever look at that and say, well, Burrow is part of the reason they did. Obviously, I, I'm with you on Joe Burrow. And frankly, of course, I'm with you on Tom Brady that you would trust Tom Brady to win a Super Bowl. That being said, the Buccaneers, I don't think around him are good enough to elevate him through the course of that run. 
it gets a little interesting. Like, I'm not, this is no Patrick Mahomes slander, because believe me, as you know, I, I cannot say this loud enough. Patrick Mahomes, I believe, is the best quarterback and the best player in the NFL, right? Like, to me, clearly, it is Patrick Mahomes' league. He hasn't always been great in the Super Bowl. I mean, we're talking about career passer rating of a 64 with 556 yards, two touchdowns, four picks in two Super Bowls. Like, four picks is a lot. Like, I, I know, I know it's Patrick Mahomes. We're not allowed to say anything bad, but I don't know that he's played the way he would want to play in Super Bowls in the past. So can I Ooh. add Patrick Mahomes to the uh, to the questionable list? If you don't get out of here with that nonsense. Okay, that's right. Because we do know Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is the main reason why they have won a Super Bowl, right? Let's not forget about that throw that he had to make to Tyreek Hill against the San Francisco 49ers, right? He made that throw on the flip side of San Francisco 49ers. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't make that throw. So yeah, Patrick right. Mahomes, in right. my eyes, is a guy who is the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs can win a Super Bowl and has been the reason why the Kansas City Chiefs won a Super Bowl previously. And it's also not his – like, the offensive line was just absolutely well, the one against dreadful Tampa. against Tampa. That's exactly. what I was going to say, right? Like, so yeah. he didn't play well against Tampa, you know, necessarily, but he was also running for his life. Like, I don't know that you can add, like, Superman uh, qualifications to trust. You so, know the term? He was running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Oh, yeah, yeah, that is – uh, that is the, the, the <laughs> ism right there. So Harry Douglas, facts. Jason Fitz, big facts. Douglas, we'll get into that uh, over the course of the day. But uh, what about Josh Allen? Like Josh Allen, Ooh. you know, so here's the thing with the Bills. The Bills have lost some, oh my God, how did you lose those games? Yeah. But I don't know. I mean, do we trust Josh Allen to be the X factor that can push them through one of those moments? See, now when we just mentioned the last three, I don't think the last three guys that we mentioned – are, the, are, are a reason for their team to lose a Super Bowl. When it comes to Josh Allen, I think he falls on both ends of the spectrum. He's a guy that can, you know, if he plays up to his potential and plays well, that can lead his team to a Super Bowl. I've also seen him in 2020 be the reason why his team didn't make a Super Bowl in the AFC Championship game. Not last year, y'all. I understand they had a phenomenal matchup, him and Patrick Mahomes, in 2021. But in 2020, I was at that game. I was sitting in the stands, and I seen a young Josh Allen at the time, you know, take sacks that he couldn't take, you know, knock his team out of field goal range, have a turnover, and basically miss a few throws. He was mainly the reason in my eyes that the Buffalo Bills didn't advance to a Super Bowl and beat Kansas City in 2001. So that's why I kind of got him on the outside looking in. But you have 2023 playoffs right now. He can prove me wrong and shut me up. I think part of the reason, though, I have hesitation to Josh Allen, though, is because some of the things you just talked about, we've seen over the course of the last half of the season, right? Like, so if if we're seeing some level of turnovers or pushing the ball, like we've seen with Dak, right? We, we'll turn around and say, well, we've never seen that from Dak before. What, what's it mean? When you see Josh Allen force the football where he doesn't need to and maybe try and make a, a superhuman play where he doesn't need to, and it costs his team a football game, which has happened a couple of times this year, well, we've seen that before. So it, it almost reinforces to me that that side of Josh Allen can exist. I think Josh Allen has the real opportunity to change the entire narrative on him this this off, this uh, postseason, I should say. We, we could change everything we think about Josh Allen. But Harry, right now, uh, because we've seen him push the ball today, now I think about combining that with what you talked about from the playoffs a couple of years ago. I think it's fair to have just a little tiny inkling seed of doubt on Josh Allen. And we got to remember, like Josh Allen last year played one of the best football games, if not the best football game he could possibly play in his career. Uh, throwing for 329 yards and four touchdowns. But guess what? At the end of the day, they still lost that football game. And it wasn't because of him by any uh, 
by any means. But in 2021, like you just mentioned, some of the things that we've seen in the AFC Championship game, we actually still see today uh, throughout the 2022-23 season. So the concerns um, arise with me. Are they going to get to a point to where, you know, they're in desperation mode and Josh Allen doesn't take the check downs? Uh, he feels like he has to be Superman time and time again, and it hurts his football team as we've seen uh, in crucial times this season. Well, and there has to be some level of just acknowledgement that this speaks to the fact that this year's quarterbacks in the postseason are just different. It's a new group. It's, yep. it's a different crop. Like, if you're looking for proof of concept, we don't have a ton of it from Jalen Hurts or Justin Herbert. Uh, in the playoffs. We don't have it from Daniel Jones. We don't even know if Lamar Jackson's going to play. We don't have it from Trevor Lawrence, Geno Smith. Like All of this speaks to the fact that like there is just a different class of quarterback. But neither of us has said that we trust Dak to be able to win us the Super Bowl. And that's that's an astounding statement, Harry, to what's happened this season. Because like if you'd have told me a year ago that the Cowboys were going in to this playoff as a wild card with the record they have, and you'd say, okay, are things going to be fine? I'd say, yeah, but then you look at the turnover number I don't. If if I can't trust Dak to trust himself, how can I trust him to get to a Super well, Bowl? Well, year in and year out, we talk about the uh, the Cowboys about being a Super Bowl contender. Damn, can they even get out the first round? Can they get out the first round first? That that's the thing for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't think uh, they need to be looking at anything other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers right now, getting out of the first round and being able to make it to the divisional round. I think that's the thing for them. That's the dark cloud that's hanging over their heads. Can they advance? Can they get out of the first round? I think in the last ten years they have two playoff wins in the last ten years. Mm, yeah, that, that, that's that's something hanging over your head right there, my man. Yeah, and there's this is going to be a a postseason that breaks a lot of conversations that we have about teams because there's opportunities for new quarterbacks to to create brands. There's opportunity for new teams to come out and really assert themselves. Do want to get you caught up on a couple of pieces of breaking news. One, all over Twitter this morning, Derek Carr put out a statement uh, saying goodbye to Raider Nation and letting uh, the world know very clearly that he intends to keep playing. Uh, We'll break that down throughout the course of the show and also some breaking news from Adam Schefter. This just came in. Denver, scheduled to be the first team this month to have an in-person head coach interview with Sean Payton, per sources. The Bucks and Payton scheduled to meet Tuesday morning in L.A. Uh, Sorry, the Broncos and Peyton scheduled to meet Tuesday morning in L.A. This is a little bit like Giselle being out on the open market. Cool that you got that first tape, but uh, if Sean Payton's going to have some options before he wants to put a ring. I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Man, you are something else, Thank bro. you so much. Be a part of Fitz and Harry Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. That's 888-729-3776. ESPN Nation, presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice cold. Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. All right, how much trust should we have in two young quarterbacks making their playoff debut we'll break it down next Fitz and Harry on ESPN radio and the ESPN app Fitz and Harry the podcast Chargers Jags another game that we have seen it was all the way back in September Christian Kirk for the Jacksonville touchdown. Jacksonville is a team now where I think they started to get some confidence and believe in themselves. We always have that teams you don't want to face in the playoffs conversation. I would put the Jacks on that list. As we look at Herbert, this gives him a chance now on the biggest stage in this sport. They're a hard team to nail down to figure out if they're a legitimate threat to go to the Super Bowl or if they're just going to be one of those teams that gets to the postseason and that's it. <laughs> Big facts. 
Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Big facts. My guy, Harry Douglas, uh, made the uh, made the social media reel coming out from the Los Angeles Chargers yesterday. <laughs> big facts. Talking about all the doubters on the Chargers, and it included <laughs> the quote of HD going, big facts. <laughs> big facts. Uh, can we make that your nickname? Big Man, facts. They, they just better hope they win this game against the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'm telling you right now. My my guy got big facts. He's also got big stacks. It's just um, look. I'm all in on this thing. I'm I'm gonna make everybody uncomfortable with all of the things that we're gonna talk about size with. All right, Bill Barnwell, ESPN senior NFL writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show, joining us right now on the show. Uh, Bill, you got a piece up on ESPN.com right now. You're predicting the scores for all of the playoffs. We were just talking about the Chargers right there for that matchup in Wild Card Weekend. You the Chargers. Take Taking on the Jags. You've got this thing going 13-10. Why do you hate points, Bill? <laughs> you know me. I'm just a hater. <laughs> Anything I can try and find just to I want I want to get on two different uh social media videos. I want both these teams to say, we don't like each other, but we really don't like him. He's wrong about everything. That's what I'm hoping <laughs> for. I I you know, we talk about Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, and both those guys are great quarterbacks, of course, but I think we're neglecting the defense is here, and over the last five weeks, by expected points added per play, just a nerd stat, I don't need to explain it, but by EPA per play, Jaguars, best defense in football, and Chargers, eighth best defense in football. These defenses are playing really well, and we saw in that Jags-Titans game, I mean, Derrick Henry had owned the Jags for three or four years now. He had one first down on 30 carries. They sold out to stop the run and succeeded. And that offense struggled. Trevor Lawrence had a sloppy game. The Jaguars made an ugly mistake for a, a fumble loss. And um, the Chargers, we know they can be inconsistent on offense. They might not have Mike Williams for this game. So uh, I think the quarterbacks can be great. They may have great moments. But to me, I kind of see more of a low-scoring game. Now, for me, Bill, a lot of people like Bill Belichick. A lot of people like Bill, not mm-hmm. a science guy. A lot of people like Bill Walton. For me, I like Bill Barnwell because you come on Fitz and Harry go. and you give us everything that we need. Now, in this playoff game, Jacksonville uh, Jaguars versus the Los Angeles Chargers, who do mm-hmm. you trust more in their playoff debut? Trevor Lawrence mm. or Justin Herbert? I will go with Trevor Lawrence because a couple reasons. Number one, I, I think I trust Doug Peterson to construct an offense that is built to the strengths of his team and the weaknesses of the opposing defense more than I do Joe Lombardi on the other side. And I think, too, you know, Trevor Lawrence has played on the biggest stage and won. I mean, he did it as a freshman in college, let alone when he did it afterwards. You know, to me, I think this is the biggest game of Justin Herbert's life. This is not the biggest game, maybe, of Trevor Lawrence's life. So I, I lean towards Lawrence being maybe a little more comfortable. But then again, hey, Week 18, that's a winning in game, basically a playoff game. And we did see Lawrence struggle. So I'm inclined to think Lawrence, but it's a, it's a tough question. How much do you trust Brandon Staley in this matchup? Mm. Dun, dun, Big question. Do I trust Brandon Staley to be a good defensive coach? Yes. Do I trust Brandon Staley to do the right thing on fourth down? And by, <laughs> by, by the right thing, I mean I mean be aggressive the way he was in his first year? Mm, I'm not so sure. I haven't really seen all that much from him this year to make me think that he's going to keep doing that stuff. I'm a big numbers guy. I'm always going to back coaches being aggressive, putting the ball in your best player's hands like Justin Herbert. And I, I think Brandon Staley has to, he has, he has to be true to himself. And he has to be true to his roster. I mean, at the end of the day, the numbers are the numbers, but you have to coach like you're, you're, you're playing for your playoff life. And, and I think 
I would like to believe that he's not going to leave anything on the table. I know Doug Peterson, who went for it on fourth and goal from the one-yard line in the Super Bowl against the Patriots and called a pass play to Nick Foles and had it go for a touchdown. I know Doug Peterson's not going to be scared in those moments. See, that's the thing about me when it comes to Braden Staley. I, I just don't know what I'm going to get from him when it comes to his offense because I've seen this guy go forward inside his own 30-yard line on fourth down and you know basically give the opposing team points. Um, he just loves to take chances. and I'm not going to sit up mm-hmm. here and knock analytics. I'm not the biggest fan of it. It's a part of the game, especially mm-hmm. in 2023. Mm-hmm. But I also believe that football has a feel to it, right? And if it doesn't mm-hmm. feel right, I don't think you should be doing it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, you certainly have a valid point to it. And it's never going to be a perfect thing where you're never going to have every decision go right and every decision go wrong. But the thing I tell coaches when I talk to coaches is this. You should do what the other sideline is afraid you are going to do. If the other team's looking at you and they're saying, man, please go for it. We are desperate for you to go for it. You got to punt. And if the other team is sitting there, this is like the Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes thing where it's fourth and two and the defensive coach on the other side is saying, please, God, don't go back out there. Please send the punter or the field goal kicker out there. That's when you go for it. So to me, I think the numbers are going to help you. But at the end of the day, if you're a good coach, you have a feel for what the other team does not want you to do. And that's the thing you should do on fourth down. So Bill Barnwell, who we're talking to, ESPN senior NFL writer, host of the Bill Barnwell Show. He's joining us on Fitz and Harry Monday night. I mean, we got to talk about the Monday night football game. It's the biggest one of the weekend <laughs> for a lot of people. And frankly, it's on ESPN. So all the more reason to talk about it. Bucks, Cowboys, you gave the Bucks the uh, the edge here, pulling off the upset 20-13. to 13. Why? I think this is a bad matchup for the Cowboys. Remember, these two teams played all the way back in week one. And the Bucs beat, beat him comfortably. It was 19-3. to I know Dak got hurt in that game, but he got hurt in the fourth quarter or late in the third quarter, I believe. He, he was in there for most of the game. They could not move the ball on the Buccaneers. And Tampa Bay, I think, number one, they might get Ryan Jensen back, who's their star center. That would be really helpful if they can get him back. Uh, I think they can throw the ball downfield on these Cowboys uh, cornerbacks if they can hold up in pass protection. I know they haven't all that much this year, but we did see them do it against the Panthers, who have a good pass rush in Week 16, or Week 17, I should say, excuse me, and that helped them win a division title. I think we saw last week the Commanders were able to throw downfield uh, on the Cowboys when they were able to hold up in protection for Sam Howell. And I just look at this Cowboys offense, guys, and it's not looking good. I mean, last week was bad, but last three weeks with Tony Pollard hurt, Tyler Biotish, their starting center, uh, sideline by a high ankle sprain, Terrence Steele, their right tackle out for the year. They have struggled to run the ball, and Dak is turning the ball over. Dak's interception rate this year, twice his career average, 11 interceptions in their last seven games. And then on top of all that, throw all that out, guys. I think this is going to be a close game. And I'm a simple man. I try not to make things too complicated. If it comes down to Tom Brady on one side of the field and Mike McCarthy on the other sideline in a close playoff game, who do you want to back? Yeah, Bill Barnwell, far from simple, I will say that. But I think what I just heard you say is it's a must-watch, immediate, instant classic. By the way, you can watch it on ABC, ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN+, Plus, even ESPN Deportes. It's everywhere, just like Bill Barnwell. Bill, we appreciate your time and expertise, brother. Thanks, guys. Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. For a job you'll love, visit Progressive.com slash careers. Look, all this conversation about the Chargers, and even though they threw a little shade to the great Harry Douglas, it's time to have a real conversation about the hot seat because Brandon Staley might not even be the only coach entering the postseason 
on the hot seat. We'll break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Monday night football, playoffs, Cowboys at Bucks. That was as uh, thorough a butt kicking as we've had this year. We're going to find out if that'll get you ready or not. They're mad at me because they said they're soft. This whole team soft, but they are. Dallas Cowboys don't put back-to-back stinkers together like this. you got to start with the most important thing, which is Dak Prescott's interceptions. That has to change if they want to make it far in the playoffs. The highest pressure cooker of any team in the entire league and try to beat the greatest of all time, that's a very tough sell for the Dallas there are different kinds of pressure sometimes pressure is real everything is on the line you're not going to have your job things are going to change drastically in your life sometimes pressure though is perceived everyone thinks it might exist the question is is it real or perceived for some of these coaches entering wild card weekend that are actually possibly Coaching for their jobs. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, and your smart speakers, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Harry, first and foremost, before we get to this press conversation, and we just heard from Christine Lisi, the great sports center anchor, she told us that the neutral By the way, in which I love so much, she does an amazing job. She uh, makes every room that she sits in better. That's just the best way I can describe Christine. Like she makes you, uh, she makes you smile when she walks in the room. She made me smile when she said that the neutral site has been picked for the uh, AFC Championship game. Would it be, if it were to be, from two teams that didn't play the same number of games? So that would be, for example, the Chiefs versus either the Bengals or the Bills. The neutral site would be Atlanta, Mercedes-Benz. So I'm your plus one? Of course. Justin Craig, <laughs> go ahead and put it in. If that game happens, me and Fitz, we need the you know media press box. Uh, passes. No, so no, 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 no. Press box passes. No, no, no. Like I don't roll yes. into Harry Douglas's house with press box pass. I roll into Harry Douglas's house like side. I'm on the sideline. I'm it's with Harry AFC Douglas on the side. game. Yes, not right. a Falcons game. It's an but, AFC championship. Dude, I was in that, that. I was in that stadium with you for the Peach Bowl, and the like. The random security people were hugging you, being like, "Harry, Harry." <laughs> they do. They do let me get. Uh, well, let me not say that on air. I don't put nobody on blast. <laughs> I mean, like, I feel like if you can't get, no, me, I'm requesting right now. Justin Craig, I know he's listening because he's in his office and the mm-hmm. speakers are all through ESPN, the, the building, the campus. He's Bristol. got his stand-up desk too. Like we're, he's got his head down. Oh, like tippity exactly. tapping. Yeah. We're putting the request in right now mm-hmm. for me and you to have our credentials for that game. So me and you can cover that game in person live if it happens. So what I heard is you're getting me on the sideline. Awesome. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. Uh, I'm going to be on the <laughs> sideline for the AFC Championship game if it's in Atlanta. Can't speak to the rest of y'all. Uh, Harry's making that happen. Uh, pressure. Now that I put pressure on you, let's talk about pressure for coaches, right, my guy? Because like I keep thinking about this, right? There, there's real pressure. There's perceived pressure. And you know this. Like When you're playing the game, sometimes it's like, man, I'm playing in a contract year, and if I don't do this, 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 and this, I'm gone. Like That's pressure. Uh, there, then there's also the perceived, I want to win this year that might be a different kind of pressure what is the actual element of pressure on the Cowboys like do you really believe that if they don't win in the playoffs Mike McCarthy gone yeah there's a great possibility when you look at last year in 2021 and how that season ended in the playoffs at home against the San Francisco 49ers but you look at 
and how they lost. And, you know, at the end of the game, game-like situations, um, Dak Prescott not not understanding things in those regards. Also, uh, the play caller, Kellen Moore, and head coach Mike McCarthy. Then you look at the team uh, having penalties on top of penalties after leading the lead in the regular season in that category. Those are things that, you know, will have you fighting for your job. Now we move forward to 2022, but the 2023 playoffs, you look at Dallas and how they're coming into this, this ball game. They haven't been playing their best football. Granted, is everything on Mike McCarthy? No. Is everything on Kellen Moore? No. Is everything on Dan Quinn? No. But at the end of the day, if you're the head coach of that football team, if you're the leader, a lot of things are going to fall back on you, right? Dak Prescott hasn't played his best football. He has turnovers at the turnovers, and I think it's something he's going to be thinking about going into this playoffs. It's your job as a head coach. It's your job as a play caller to get through to Dak, to you know, try to minimize some things so he doesn't have those those turnovers that he is having. That the, but at the end of the day, Dak Prescott has to be better in his decision making. He has to be better in his reads. But this defense of of Dallas in which that spurts can show some very explosiveness, can show that they can take the football away, can show they can, you know, sack the quarterback at a very, very high rate. If they aren't doing those things, then I think the offense is going to have to pick it up uh, that much more. Now, the reason why I'm harping on the offense is because, number one, Mike McCarthy is an offensive mind. He's an offensive guy. So when you have the blemishes on their offensive side of the ball as a head coach, you should be able to gather the troops together and figure out what's going wrong and how you can do it better along with your offensive coordinator. So I think it's all about how the Dallas Cowboys lose if they lose this game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's about how they lose. If they lose it because of play calling, if they lose it because of you know game situations, situational football, if they lose it because of the, the lack of discipline and penalties, then that's the, the, all those things are something that you know you can put on the head coach. Now if they lose because of, you know, Dax turning the football over over and over again and the defense is blowing coverages or whatnot. I don't think that's on Mike McCarthy, but at the end of the day, he is the leader of the team. He is the head man, so a lot of things are going to fall on him. I just He's Eric Douglas. I'm Jason Fitz. I don't think there's any pressure on Mike McCarthy. I don't think there's any pressure on the Cowboys. Barring a massive blowout loss, and I know everybody's telling me I've lost my mind, but I pulled up the numbers since mm-hmm. 2000. Dave Campo was the head coach for three years, okay? Bill Parcells, obviously, three years, and and we know where that went. Wade Phillips got three years. Jason Garrett got a decade. Sorry, Parcells and and, uh, Wade Phillips got four years. McCarthy's only had two years. Since the year 2000, this concept that Jerry Jones just moves on from every single coach just isn't the actual truth. Like, we spend all of our time obsessed with the Cowboys because Cowboys fans are obsessed with the Cowboys and because the Cowboys are America's team. But so far, what we've seen over the course of this entire century at this point, the last since the 2000s, has been patience for Jerry Jones. And if you don't believe me, if you don't believe me, I'm just saying, K.J. Wright was on KJM this morning. This is what he said about the pressure on Mike McCarthy. Absolutely not. The what? man has won back-to-back 12-win season. KJ. He was about to have this team KJ. win the division this year. You got to keep building pizza. I know we're looking for instant gratification as people and as fans. Well, this is what his third, fourth year. Let this third man year. keep building. Yeah, he's completed two seasons. This is his third season. But, you know, I, yeah. I don't understand why. Like, I'm sitting here, and you and I talked the other day about the fact that should there be pressure on LaFleur for the Packers? And when I talk to smart football people, they're like, well, how many games did they win last year? Like, that, the coach isn't the problem. Well, how many games do the Cowboys win every year? Like, I, I just think we're oversell Because it's the Cowboys and because people don't like Mike McCarthy and didn't think he was a good hire to begin with, we constantly want to put him on the hot seat. I Listen, would be stunned if he loses his job if they lose. No, I'll give you pushback against the uh, Matt LaFleur situation. Yeah, Matt LaFleur. 
floor coach Aaron Rodgers, who's going to be a future Hall of Famer, who happens to be back-to-back MVP last season and the season, season previous to that. This season was the first season I actually think he had to be a coach that was hands-on because you had young receivers, you didn't have Devontae Adams, and you had to figure a lot of things out. And how did that fare for the Green Bay Packers? They didn't make the playoffs. So, I yes, agree. I, agree I do totally look at with you. Matt LaFleur in that light. And the same way I look at Mike McCarthy. If he doesn't win this football game in a manner in which it's on his shoulders as a head coach and things that he has control over, yes, his job is going to be on the line. And also, here's the chess piece to that as well. You have a guy named Sean Payton who's out there in the woodworks waiting to be with the team. Well, you mentioned Bill Parcells. Guess who coached under Bill Parcells while they were in Dallas? Sean Payton. So I'm pretty sure if you're Jerry Jones, you would take Sean Payton over Mike McCarthy. Uh, well, there's no doubt that Sean Payton, like I said earlier, he's Giselle. He's out there. He's single. He's, he's <laughs> dating at this point. And the Cowboys can certainly afford a ring that would make Giselle very, very happy. Right. So you're right. The Sean Payton element is part of it. But And I agree with you, by the way, to be very clear. I agree with you on LaFleur 100 percent. But I said on air to one of our insiders a couple of months ago, should LaFleur be on the hot seat if this season goes off the rails? And I got laughed at. And the comment was he won 13 games last year. Why would he ever be on the hot seat? I just I think that we apply different rules to different coaches because we think there's a different situation. But the situation in Dallas has actually been one of patience for much longer. It's not that long ago that Jason Garrett somehow kept his job every stinking year. So I have a hard time thinking that McCarthy Can I say this really quick too? And I don't like the argument that McCarthy has one Super Bowl and, you know, Sean Payton has one Super Bowl. McCarthy played with who again? He he coached with who? Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, Aaron Rodgers, yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, Sean Payton coached with Drew Brees. Yeah, but we knew knew it. We we had question marks with Drew Brees when he came to that team. Right. Right? And the leadership of Sean Payton in that offense, uh, they were able to make things work together. So that's my pushback on that. Speaking of pressure, there's one quarterback this weekend that is facing pressure just to step on the field at this point. We'll tell you about it next. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. playoffs that's what we've been preparing for and we're looking forward to uh, our opportunity everybody's zero and zero going forward so we can't wait to get started proud of the way these guys focused found a way to get it done secured the three seed and now we get a chance to play these guys again host a playoff game that's a huge deal to be able to do that the Ravens hope is that he's able to get on the practice field this week in advance of the playoff game in Cincinnati Lamar's been in great spirits I mean he's he has been he's been working super hard and hopefully it's progressing to the point where we can get to practice when we have something to report on that we will Sometimes what you need when you've got a controversy is a little coach speak. The coach come out and tell you exactly every cliche you could ever imagine about the situation. But what do you do when the controversy erupts because the coach doesn't do that? It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and your smart speakers just say, hey, play ESPN Radio. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. Y'all can call us, too. You can hang out, be part of the show, be part of the community. Dr. Pepper, call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Every single day, the conversation, in part, is always about Lamar Jackson right now. Will he play? Can he play? Which leads to very specific questions about his contract. Those questions were brought directly to Ravens head coach John Harbaugh yesterday. This is what it sounded like. 
I don't have anything to add on that. No updates at this time. As fans do, they they go and they say, oh, this has to be contract-related. What do you say to fans that think that that's the reason of this? I don't really have anything to say to them right now because I'm focusing on the game. You know, really, I mean, that's really, that's what we're focusing on. So that's it, really. Harry, mm. Harry, mm. I'm going to make you coach for a second. All right, your coach, mm-hmm. your coach, yeah. uh, your coach fits in Harry. Okay. And uh, I'm the reporter, and I walk up and I say, uh, Harry, uh, the fans are starting to think that Fitz isn't showing up because of his contract status. Uh, what would you say? Well, Fitz is a guy that I know loves uh, being here and doing this show with me, and he's a guy that's going to put his all into it. And if he was able to be here, he would be here. Mm. Um, obviously, something must be, be going on with him for him not to be here right now. I mean, it means something that, that, that Harbaugh didn't say that, right? Yes, it means everything. And I don't like this, and this is one of the main reasons why I wanted Lamar Jackson to be selfish when it came to him and his contract before the season. I didn't like the simple fact that, you know, he wanted to go out there and, and let it play and, you know, do training camp and do the off-season program and start the season this year. Because at the end of the day, and one thing I learned about in my 10-year career playing in the National Football League is that when it's all said and done, you have to take care of yourself because that's what the organization is going to do on their end. And easily right there, and John Harbaugh has said phenomenal things about Lamar in the past. It's okay to say one more thing about Lamar Jackson like that. It, it, it's okay because now you're opening up a can of whoop-ass because Lamar Jackson isn't out there practicing. He isn't playing, and it seems like you have an attitude about it, like you're frustrated about something else that you do know, but you're not saying everything that you, you do have in your mind. You know, now questions are starting to lie everywhere across the board. And that was an opportunity for your for for the head coach to protect, you know, the face of the franchise, a star player. Granted, if he's if he's not going out there because of a contract or not, that's your job as a head coach. But it also shows me that Lamar Jackson at this moment needs to be selfish, Lamar Jackson. Not Lamar Jackson that was nice before the season in this offseason. Lamar Jackson has worried about his well being and securing his future in a massive way. For a coach, Harry, to step up at the podium when he knows every single word on this topic is going to be overanalyzed. When he knows that, for a coach to stand in front of the microphone and not give the cliche answer, man, that is every ounce of don't get a truck that you could ever ask for from a coach, right? A coach coming in and saying, no, nah, I don't really I don't really care. I don't care what this is. I don't care about the ramifications. Because by answering the question the way he did, A, he's going to be asked a follow-up that he will have to clarify his answer. B, now every single player in that locker room that has a microphone in front of their face is going to have to answer questions about Lamar Jackson, again, based on what Harbaugh is saying. And you've sent a message to your quarterback that, you know, maybe you maybe you don't have his back that way. Like, maybe you... Maybe you aren't there protecting him. Like, the number of losses from this for Harbaugh is massive to me. Well, that's the biggest thing for me. Lamar Jackson, as your quarterback, as the face of your franchise, as your star quarterback, everything that a Baltimore Raven embodies, now he hears that. And once he, once a player feels like you don't have his back, and I don't know why the world is like this, though. It's like this in everything that we do. You can do a thousand things right and do one thing wrong and you get crucified. Um it's the same thing here. John Harbaugh may have talked he talked uh, Lamar Jackson up over and over again. But in this one instance where, you know, your quarterback may need you to have his back 110%, it's going to be perceived as he didn't. 
in Lamar Jackson, I'm not going to sit up here and speak for him. He may take it uh, a certain way. He may take it personal. And we don't know how that relationship will may, uh, may be going moving forward. Yeah, especially if there's an opportunity to want to try and work together in the future, then you have to you have to worry about this stuff. And not worry about it. You have to be careful. Let me say it that way. you got to be careful go. about what you're saying on both sides. Like, there's never been a point through this whole process that Lamar Jackson has said anything wildly negative about the Ravens. And the Ravens never say anything wildly negative about Lamar. And I understand a coach being frustrated that his starting quarterback may not be available for him this week uh, to play in a playoff game. I understand that. But if you start turning it suddenly into this concept of like, well, he's just choosing not to be out there, you've opened this whole No, make it simple, Fitz. It's a simple concept of it's us versus him. Uh, Him versus us. Once once that gets out there, then I, I, I don't know how you come back from it. You're right. From, from I don't know how you rebuild the relationship. I don't know what you do. And I, I just keep saying this, too. If the argument is that the Ravens feel like his injury status is a reason they can't guarantee the money, and if the argument for Lamar is that my injury status is a reason you should guarantee the money, this entire system is only creating more of a divide. Because this is all the more reason for Lamar to sit back and say, see, this is why I need to get paid and why you need to pay me. And the Ravens sitting back saying, well, this is why we can't pay you. None of this makes any of that easier. So if it's already going to be complicated, Harry, then they got to find common ground. These sorts of instances don't help find common ground. Well, and it just happens to be that, you know, they have a playoff game against a divisional uh, rival opponent in the Cincinnati Bengals who just thumped them and l- literally embarrassed them, even though the score may have said different. I watched that entire game. You watched it there with me. And it wasn't a contest at any moment. So, I mean, that's the worst part about it. And then the players, the rest of the players on that team, they're going to have to answer all these questions about the entire situation. Yeah, John Harbaugh just did the, the one thing uh, that you cannot do in these situations as a coach. He took it and he made it worse. It's yep. uh, Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. All right, we'll keep breaking down all the action coming this weekend, but particularly as we start to look at the offseason, there's one coach that says their team is going to be aggressive when it comes to the quarterback situation this offseason. We'll tell you why maybe they shouldn't be. That's next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. 